Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good people, and welcome to another episode of Moments That Rock. I'm your host, Tony Michael Edis. Moments That Rock is part of the Pantheon group of podcasts. Now, let me tell you a little bit of information about the whole platform, so to speak. Um, it's full of music-orientated podcasts, people interviewing artists, industry insiders, all sorts of things, really good shows. Mine's one of them. <laughs> Um, if you want to delve back, if you're new to the show, then you want to delve back. There'll be old interviews from the Ramones, Joe and Dee Dee, who sadly have passed away. Uh, Steve Winwood, Sir Ray Davis, Morrissey, uh, Peter Hook from New Order, or from New Order in the early days in Joy Division. And we have a series of uh, about four or five programmes uh, about U2. We have Malcolm Gary talking about Red Rocks. We have Bono and the Edge interview. We have the Edge and Adam Clayton, Dave Robinson, who ran the label around the Unforgettable Fire. Uh, well worth checking out. We also delve into uh, stories from music industry insiders. They're very helpful for budding musicians, for people who are just interested in rock stories. And also, they share moments that rock their world. If you're a regular listener, and if you're not, and if you're uh, not, then please come back for more, subscribe, and we'll give you plenty more, because there's lots of people lined up over the coming weeks. The music industry inside a bit is uh, really interesting to me because it's a lot of old colleagues that I've had over the years that uh, I'm learning things that I didn't know about, which is really, really revealing. And uh, like I said, great advice. Uh, what we also do is we restrict them. We put them out weekly and we restrict them to about 20 to 30 minutes uh, maximum. And anything that's left on the cutting room floor, we dig them out and we put them out um, over the following weeks. So we keep the uh, episodes fairly short and listenable so you can come back for more. This is something of me delving into the archives of uh, stuff that we had left. So you're going to hear, um, first of all, Bill de Young, who's a journalist, who's interviewed a lot of amazing people. And, um, well, he can tell you the rest about himself. There's a previous um, dialogue with uh, Bill de Young in uh, previous Moments That Rock podcasts. And we also have Denise Baton, who was with me at Arista Records back in the day. And she's been on the show before. And she'll be finishing off with her last little bit of recounts of things that she loved. Oh, that's a lot of blabber from me. So we'll get on and start with Mr. Bill DeYoung. So I became a journalist um, through no fault of my own. And, uh, well, I, what, I, what I did was I ended up going up to Gainesville 
where uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are from, and going to the University of Florida. And when I got a job at the newspaper there in Gainesville, it occurred to me that Gainesville, Florida had two exports that were very kind of significant, important in the world. One, of course, was the Florida Gators football team. Now, I didn't give a rat's ass about sports. I still don't. And the other one was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and nobody at the newspaper was writing anything about this band, which had come out and done great things from their town. So I took it upon myself to be the Heartbreakers guy, started making calls, and, uh, you know, before long, I, you know, connected with management, and they put me together with the band. And for, uh, you know, 20 years or however long it was, you know, I basically wrote about them constantly and would visit them on the road, and I was the hometown newspaper guy. I thought there was some interesting stuff here and being a fan myself, I'm the kind of person who likes to sort of read everything you can find about an artist and their process and how they, how, you know, how they came to whatever conclusions to create whatever they created. So I sort of thought, you know, I have this stuff that if I was a fan, I might want to read, you know, as I say, there were just two interviews with Neil Young and there are four with Petty. And I thought, if if I don't do this, because I, I after the goldmine stuff had been printed once, the copyright reverts to me. If I don't do this, these things are just literally going to be lost. That was the whole idea. Uh, and and again, sort of with the George Martin, and I interviewed Mary Hopkin from Apple Records, who doesn't do interviews, and it was a great interview. And I thought somebody somewhere is going to give a damn about this, you know. Uh, yeah, probably especially the petty stuff and that, and so that's why I did that. So it it was a it was a it was a, a fun, if I can say that, project to go in and re-listen to all these tapes and kind of retranscribe everything and fix a few clams that I hadn't caught the first time. You know, oh, that's not what he said. He said this, you know, and and sort of put it together and and out there and there. You know, this lengthy interviews with Linda Ronstadt, with Emmy Lou Harris. Um, I spent a lot of time with Guy Clark and his wife, Susanna, great songwriters from Texas, both of whom are gone now. And I, when I started the project, I didn't realize I had that recording. It was just in, in a box, like I said. Uh, the one I did with Dave Mason, where he proved to the world that he's kind of a jerk, Um <laughs> He got really angry when that story came out, by the way. Oh, so did it was they? Great. Yes, because he hated it. And I was grateful. Well, tell us the story. Was, oh, he, uh, I ended up speaking to uh, uh, Tommy LaPuma, who's gone now. He was his producer at uh, Blue Thumb Records. And to uh, several guys who played in his band for years and years. And every one of them told me that. I don't know if I can say the word. You can bleep it. What an arsehole the guy is. I mean, uh, it was like story after story. And, you know, I just printed what they said. And I talked to him and he was, I found him rather aloof. And I, I've, I've seen him since. He doesn't remember who I am, thank God. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's a nice enough guy. But his story, the, one of the reasons I think, and I suppose I can go out in public and say this, one of the reasons I think that, that he never really sort of made it a like big career guy is because he burns bridges. If you, mm -hmm. if you do something he doesn't like, he will come out and publicly, uh, you know, uh, belittle you. And, and, and he's also, he's been sued so many times. And Dave Mason, uh, 
to my knowledge, is the only person to get fired from the Ringo Starr All-Star Band. And I mean, how low do you have to go for that to happen? You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, love you, Dave. Alone Together is great. I I love It's Like You Never Left. Love the early records. But that was sort of what you you were saying before about how I don't know that I really want to meet my heroes. There was an example of like, I didn't, you know, but I, I was I was glad to put that story in the in the um, in the in the book. Just, if anybody wants to know how that transpired, here it is. I'll just interject for a minute. Bill DeYoung uh, lives in Florida. He's from Gainesville, and uh, he met and worked. Uh, sort of didn't work, but actually wrote a lot about Tom Petty back in the day, plus a lot of stuff. And he's talking about his uh, lost interviews. And now he's going to tell us a little bit about meeting Willie Nelson and talking to him. Both occasions when I was fortunate enough to speak to him, he was plugging something, right? So the first one was, was Farm Aid, the uh, first Farm Aid in 85. God knows how, but I, after a gig in Gainesville, uh, I got on his bus and the two of us just sat there for 90 minutes just talking. And he was mostly talking about Farm Aid, you know, and and because uh, it was the first one and here's what Willie Nelson says and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm I'm listening and I'm nodding along and, you know, and then I, I remember listening to this tape when I was transcribing it. I'm sitting on his bus. It's me oh, and him wow. and, his, and his dog, Elvis, the tech hound, <laughs> I remember it well. And uh, and uh, I th- after we sort of, that sort of ran its course, I said, can we talk about music a little bit? And he said, yeah, he said, you know, I wasn't going to do any interviews on this tour. He said, I just wanted to talk about Farm Aid, but, but go ahead. And then we talked for another half an hour or so just about what he was doing. I mean, at that point, he was, it was the Geffen year, so it was sort of a, you know, he was kind of reaching out in all different directions. What am I doing? He hadn't sort of come back to what he does best yet. But he kind of explained about the, what, he, he was just kept looking for something and hadn't found it yet. And and I thought it was very, very interesting. And so uh, the next the next time was, I don't know, 97, 98 on the, on the Horde tour. And again, I have no idea why he did. That was a phone interview. I got Elliot on the phone. Elliot hands him the phone. He's sitting on the bus. Hey, Bill. And, you know, he had just done. Oh, I know what it was. He had just not shown up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Buffalo Springfield. It had just happened. So we talked about that. Um, And he's very frank and he's very, very funny. You know, a very dry sense of humor. And and uh, yeah, sort of like Petty was a very funny guy, too. And I, I think, you know, the, Ian Anderson, you know, for all his foibles and quirks is a very funny guy. And I, I find that that's something that a lot of these people have. I think Bowie was a very had a great sense of humor. Oh, incredible. What's the common denominator there? You know, that, that they, you know, they know when to take themselves seriously, but they also know when not to. Couldn't agree more. Some excellent outtakes. Talking about Neil Young, Willie Nelson, etc., etc. And uh, there's other stuff from Bill, if you scroll back and find out an early edition of Moments That Rock. We'll be back in a moment. I just want to go back quickly to Neil Young. You said he like had a great sense of humour and stuff. Were you finding yourself kind of asking him fan questions about things that, you know, you really wanted to know yourself or? Well, I don't think the things I really wanted to know myself were, were fan questions. Right. You know, uh, uh, it mostly would be like, uh, you know, let's talk about uh, comes a time and the fact that you bought the first 40,000 copies off the press because 
you were going to change the song sequencing. They printed 40,000. You bought them all and shingled your barn roof with them. Let's talk about <laughs> this is a true story. You know, uh, let's talk about that. We talked a lot in the archives that he's putting out now are amazing. But in those days, we would talk about the unreleased songs. Where was this record going? You know, I love talking about the records and the process, you know, because and I think that artists respond to that much more than what what did you have for breakfast or were the 60s swinging, you know, because that's that's the connection. Yeah. You know, not, not even so much the music and the songs, but how did you make this record? Petty loved to talk about making records. And so that that would be the kind of questions I asked. And, you know, not the least of which that a lot of these I was writing for Goldmine, which was very heavily record collectors magazine in those days. You'd ask, like, well, you know, you put this song on the B side of the single, but it wasn't on the album. Why was that? You know, that, there was a lot of that. So a lot of that is just sort of inside baseball stuff. But uh, no, I, I, Neil, to me, I mean, I, I, for me, he jumped the shark in, in, the, in the 90s. I haven't really listen to anything new he's done i mean we're all getting older and you know you have a shelf life yeah yeah but the stuff that you know his is great stuff and there's so much of it is in my dna really i had done a whole series of interviews with Stephen stills around 2000 i still have the time it's not in the book well, it was part of it's in the book i anyway i had like four hours of interview wow. and and he would talk a lot about how he and Neil were very, very different that he, he, how he was, this is stills, right? So you yeah. salt, but he's like, I, I like to put these records together very painstakingly and do a million tags and do this. And when Neil will go in and cut it once, he'll do the, oh, that was the rehearsal. No, that's the master. We just did it very, very different. So I, I always put like the whole Crosby stills and Nash thing over here, if you will, you can't see me, but I'm gesturing to the left and then Neil Young on the right. I mean, they're, 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 they only sort of fell together initially out of, I guess, Neil needing a gig, you know, because, and I think that artists respond to that much more than what, what did you have for breakfast or were the 60s swinging, you know, because that's, that's the connection, you know, not, not even so much the music and the songs, but how did you make this record? Petty loved to talk about making records. And, and so that, that would be the kind of questions I asked and, you know, not the least of which that a lot of these I was writing for Goldmine, which was very heavily record collectors magazine in those days. You'd ask, like, well, you know, you put this song on the B side of the single, but it wasn't on the album. Why was that? You know, that, there was a lot of that. So a lot of that is just sort of inside baseball stuff. But uh, no, I, I, Neil, to me, I mean, I, I, for me, he jumped the shark in, in, the, in the 90s. I haven't really listen to anything new he's done i mean we're all getting older and you know you have a shelf life the stuff that you know his is great stuff and there's so much of it is in my dna really absolutely great stuff from journalist bill de young from florida well that's where he lives uh he's interviewed everybody over the years and um we met because he interviewed me <laughs> so uh got to know him from then and uh it's really good and interesting to hear his stories written several books as well we'll be back in a moment with denise Bain telling her part two story of Moments That Rock. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And a big hearty warm welcome to you all again. This is Moments That Rock on the Pantheon group of podcasts. This lady was on the show a a few weeks back now, actually. Denise has got more moments that rock. She's been in the industry a long time, and she's a gem. So check her out. I think probably take that. When they first were signed by BMG and um, by RCA... Um, I, I like Nick Raymond's. I work with Nick a lot and we used to sort of claim his stuff and, and everything. And I remember um, he'd signed the boys and he sent them, he sent them up to my office because at the time I'd got the, I'd run the telesales department in West Brom. And anyway, these five boys come up and they're, they're literally boys. And um, anyway, and they, they, kind of they've, they've been instructed to do a little performance because I've got 20 20 telesales girls at the time and the boys have been instructed to do a little performance so they put a, a record on and did a dance routine at the back of the office and we all had a lovely lovely time and you know chatted and everything and I remember them leaving my office and um thinking oh they're lovely boys but they're not going anywhere <laughs> 
and I, I genuinely never, never dreamed that they'd be at the level. And, um, you know, we, we kind of, we, we went on with, um, like, Nick kept playing the stuff and everything. I think, I think it was Hugh Goldsmith that turned that one round. He came in because Nick and I used to have, we, we used to have sit-downs in, in his office. And I don't know if, um, well, you remember Nick Raymond, but we'd, we'd sit in his office and he'd go, Denise, I've, I've got this band. They can sell, if they're on front cover of Smash Hits, they'll sell more copies than, than anyone. Everybody loves them. Nigel was managing them. I'm still good friends with Nigel. He's, he's a lovely, lovely man. But Nigel, it's, um, he put all his own money in. He mortgaged his house and everything yeah. to, get, to get this band. And we we kind of, they'd be on smash hits and they'd be on the front cover and that had selling minutes, like. But then they put out a record and it had just go to, well, it's had stumbling at 126 or something like that. And um, anyway, they were doing all those best disco in towns, weren't they, back then? Yeah, live performances they, with like a dance audience. They were they were doing all of that. They were doing all the gay clubs. They were they were literally that Nigel was was working them, and Nigel had got a great brain anyway. He was a fantastic manager. Funny enough, when I went into management, I thought a lot about things Nigel would say or, or do. Um, but anyway, Nick said to me the one day he said. We're selling, we're selling like magazines, but not not records. And I said, well, maybe you've not made a great record. So anyway, they went away, and um, Hugh Goldsmith came into the label, and he said, look, we're not going to rush out anymore because the inclination when something's flopping is to just keep pushing stuff out and and everything. And it, it what it meant is they got things like a million love songs, but you didn't break a boy band on a ballad, and they got good songs but not anything to be the next single and um anyway and then cute um they they ended up doing the um only takes a minute and that was when it went it, it just went out of the water it just went absolutely balmy and then um the rest it, it was it was like we we got um, by this point as well, because I was doing the national accounts I was doing entertainment UK and that my buyer who I'd got a brilliant relationship with by the time he came to only takes a minute, he said, look, I've given you Woolworths Records of the Week. I've given you this on every single, this is the last one. He said, I'm not saying it's the last one we'll take, but it's the last one you'll get Record of the Week. And anyway, and then um, the, the track, I think, went to number eight or something. And But it ended up establishing them. And it, it went mad after that. It's interesting because, if correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't break America, where if you look at the equivalent with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, they were global. But the, yeah. I think Take That did really well in Europe, but they didn't break here, did they? Gary Barlow's an amazing songwriter, but I think he writes in a very British kind of way. But yeah, good point. Um, Back, for good was, Back for Good was a genuine total crossover record. It was it. You just you just knew. Um, I remember um, Nick sent me back for good. I was I was living in the Midlands. I was travelling to London and live, but living in the Midlands. And um, Nick sent me um, back for good on a on a cassette tape by Courier. He said, Denise, I really want your opinion on it. And anyway, and I I, I drove. I was driving to my mother in law's. It was a Saturday morning, and so I was driving to my mother in law's, and I played it three times which I've got on the journey. 
I got to my mum-in-law's and phoned him immediately. I said, Nick, this is the biggest record they've ever had, easily. And he's going, you're kidding. I said, no, it's the biggest record ever. And I, I just knew it. And that was the only one that took a shot in America. It was... Um... It's funny hearing you say all this, Denise, because the the um, the thing is, from what you've been saying, is like you've moved into management. But in a way, A&R would have been a good step up because you had an ability to spot talent. Even if it wasn't a record for your record collection, you could see there was a market for it because you'd worked in sales, but you chose management. Yeah, I think... Um... You need a bit of A&R skills to manage. To, to tell you the truth, I think I think the reason I, I, at BMG and, and since to a degree is why I think I've got punters ears. I think some people can listen. I couldn't listen to a record like an A&R person does and say, oh, it needs to come up a few levels yeah. here and it needs this and it needs that. I just look and go, that's a great song. Being on the other side and taking it to radio you need to know that it's going to connect from one play. It can't be like, oh, once you've heard it three or four times, you're like, that doesn't happen. So it has yeah. to have that instant appeal. And that's what makes a commercial hit, which potentially can be a massive international hit because England's not the biggest record market, but it's incredibly influential. You get hit in the UK, you're guaranteed a, a release in the States and Europe. Oh, gosh, absolutely. I, I tend to find the car a very good barometer. Most people, they don't listen to music on the radio in the car or now on bluetooth connections or whatever but back then you either listened on the radio or on a, on a cd and i know that um i've i've had times when um before we before we just got the hook up that you can just hook your phone to the car i've, I've had times when i've had a track come over to me at midnight on an email i've burnt off a cd and i've been in my pjs and going <laughs> Oh, and driven round the block before I'll pass an opinion on it. I've got a great little story for you. I interviewed Dave Robinson, who was obviously Stiff Records and, and then Ireland in the 80s for Unforgettable Fire Time and the rest is history. But he, he put together the Marley compilation. But when I interviewed Dave Robinson about Legend, the compilation, and he said he was driving around in his car and his wife was pregnant and he was putting together the track list in the order. And every time the baby, like in utero, was, was rumbling around in his wife's belly, He'd move the track up to like, oh, that's track one, side one. If you think about it, we were, I think it was back in the 80s, we were at a board meeting and um, the chairman at the time, who I think was John Berkheimer, American guy, and he went up, someone had got their track that they were playing us all for feedback, and he went up and he turned it down and he said, every track sounds huge on a great, big system every track sounds good let's listen to it how your average punter will listen to it and then decide if it's good and it's it is a a, a thing you know because some some records sound astonishing on speakers work on the radio or they don't work so i suppose from from what you did and from what i did we had to listen to to how it would sound in the in the capacity that we wanted to to like in my case the public to hear it. 
Excellent. You've been listening to Denise Mayton on Moments That Rock. She had a great career in finding people like Simon Cowell. What an A&R job that was, eh? And starting it all off tonight on Moments That Rock was Mr. Bill DeYoung with part two of his interview um, from a few months back where he's talking about, well, all the people he's interviewed. Hope you enjoyed the show. We come out weekly. I upload them on a Monday. If I fail, they're on a Tuesday, but I'll do my best to put them out every Monday. Um, Plenty of news to come from Pantheon in weeks to come. But meanwhile... Thank you for listening. Subscribe, review, and tell all your friends. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.